Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Highlighting Greatness with Fasayo. I'm extremely excited uh, to have this guest with me. She's a dear friend. Um, she's a little sister who's now no longer a little sister because she's uh, doing amazing things. Please, everyone, Dr. Abby. Hi, hello, nice to meet you. See you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Abby, um, how's it going? Welcome. Thanks for stopping by. It's going, you know. I mean, I guess it's the, I mean, it's, it's you know, what can you ask for at this time with everything going on? It's going, <laughs> so keeping it moving. <laughs> I, I absolutely hear you. Um, Abby is, um, we've known each other, I don't know maybe maybe like 15 plus years at this point we grew up pretty much together went to the same church same youth groups our families know each other um and she you've been like a little sister to me uh through the years and um extremely proud to to see where you are now in this part of your journey um and now as a you're a dentist we're going to get more into that now but even just throughout, you know, going to school and, you know, going to your residency and all that stuff. I remember speaking with you <laughs> at several points along that journey and just uh, seeing where you are now. It's, 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 it's amazing. So uh, excited, excited to, to, to see that and excited that uh, you're going for everything you said you would. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, why don't we start off uh, with how did you, how, first of all, where, where are you, why don't we start by, where are you from, how did we, how did okay. we meet all that stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, Houstonian, I'm Nigerian, of course, I mean, like most of us are, but um, I'm from Houston, we moved to the States when I was about eight, I guess, at that sure. point. Um, used to live in Maryland, ended up moving down to Texas because my mom got residency down here. And then eventually my dad got residency at Baylor as well. So we basically just stayed in the South Houston area, um, lived in Pureland, like really, well, Mamble, New Pureland area, uh, went to high school in Pureland. Um, and yeah, just, I'm kind of a South Houstonian person, did my undergrad at University of Pittsburgh, um, only because they gave me a full ride. <laughs> And I wasn't going to hey. say no to that. So hey. I actually was this close to going to UT and they didn't give me like a dime. And I don't know why, but whatever. Um, so I left, left for four years. Um, I almost did dental school at Pitt, but it was too expensive, even with the scholarship. Um, they offered me the Dean scholarship and I was like, yeah, I did the math. I was like, it's still significantly cheaper to go to Houston and live at home. So um, applied to dental school um, with the, with the, I always, I think I applied to dental school always knowing that I wanted to be a pediatric dentist. I did not go to dental school okay. with the thought that I was ever going to practice general dentistry. Um, that probably leads into some of the other things we'll probably talk about later, but um I, you know, when I was trying to decide what path I was going to go, whether I was going to do dental or medicine, it was kind of like, I kind of took the perspective of, okay, what specialty would I enjoy and sure. what did I want my day-to-day -day life to be like? Now, granted, you know, things happen along the way that I think I wasn't quite exposed to when I was kind of researching. Um, like, I'll be very honest with you. I never thought I was going to own my own business. Um, <laughs> so that's a decision that came in after being in the field and kind of seeing the realities of it. Um, but essentially, I knew that I wanted to work with children. Um, and, you know, I grew up, I used to round, do rounds with my mom in the hospital and, you know, really? I saw cancer patients. I saw, yeah. So I kind of, I was pretty much exposed to what the reality of what medicine entailed 5 a.m. rounding. And, you know, like, so there was no, I was, I didn't get the sugar-coated outside version. I got the, here's the day-to-day -day life, life version of it. The real. Um, and so I kind of had a, I guess I thought I had a good sense of comparison. Um, so basically, you know, you shadow and I shadowed obviously in hospitals and then I shadowed pediatric dentists and I loved the atmosphere of a pediatric dental office. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, they're kids, they're generally happy. Sometimes they're screaming, but then they stop screaming and they still smile at you. So, <laughs> um, it was just, you know, I, I liked the environment and, you know, obviously, um, 
the range of compensation was within what I found acceptable. And I said, okay, you know, if I'm going to go to dental school, that's, you know, the, the, that's what I'm going to, you know, pursue. And I think, you know, I'm just kind of, that, that's kind of how I arrived at my decision. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm being very honest because I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, follow your passion. And I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like I incorporated my passion into what I ended up doing, but I'm also very honest, like in the sense of I, I was really like, okay, this has to financially make sense because I'm not, <laughs> you know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. We're immigrants, like somebody, somebody suffered to get here. So <laughs> I'm not going to um, kind of be like, oh, well, you know, so no, um, it was very much intentional. And I went to dental school with the intention of being a pediatric dentist. Um, so not that there's anything wrong with general dentistry. I just never wanted to practice general dentistry. I, in my personal opinion, I feel like it's more difficult, but I am not the best. Um, I don't know how to say this. I'm not, I'm more of a clinician than a business owner, if that makes sense. I, I, I've learned you know, obviously over the last eight months that I definitely have to be firm with certain things. And, you know, I'm still learning the skills that are involved in running a small business, but I definitely chose pedo because it's something that I saw myself practicing for a very long time. And going to work doesn't necessarily feel like work. Um, I find it very fulfilling. I love being around kids. It's fun. They say the craziest things. And I think actually it's harder managing the parents. Oh. The parents. Really? <laughs> um, yes. Um, and if anyone is, a, any, if you ever talk to any pediatric dentist or anyone who has a practice in the field, they will probably tell you the same thing. That depending on the environment in which you practice and the, dem and the demographic in which you practice, I've practiced in a variety of places before I open my office, you know, um, and there are definitely differences in the expectations depending on what side of town you're on. I'll just say that much. And, you know, income and average demographic and what some parents will find acceptable and what some will not. And so coming from a residency program, like I did my residency um, in Chicago. So I did dental school here in UT in Houston. Um, and then I applied to residencies all across the country. In fact, I flew out to a residency the day after my wedding because I was oh, like, wow. I have to match. Yeah, like I was that entire period. I did not plan my wedding. My mom pretty much planned it for me. I just appeared. I made a guest appearance. <laughs> <laughs> I was there and then I packed up my bags and like I was literally in New York the next day. Like it was that intense. And I mean, it was just, I was studying for part two awards and it was just a lot going on within like a same two to three month time frame. That was actually a week in November where I wasn't even in Houston. I wasn't even in, in class like I was just hopping from airport to airport because my interviews were just back to back to back um so anyways I ended up matching at um Chicago UIC and actually it worked out because I had some extended family who lived literally right next to UIC so um I always had people like to crash with who were looking out for me I had my own apartment in my own place but I always I didn't have a car in Chicago because if you, if you know anything about Chicago winners they are brutal I used to actually screenshot like the temperature of the day like zero degrees and I would send it to my husband who was still in Houston be like look at this like trekking through the snow to get to campus but um yeah so I did my residency there um obviously if you were at the residency, the residency program in Chicago was like the last box stop. It was like where all the private practitioners sent their kids that they could not help either because of financial reasons or just because they were extremely difficult patients. Um, so we saw the worst of the worst that you had to offer and it was primarily Medicaid. Well, when the state is broke, um, for lack of a better word, when the state is broke and we basically have to triple book so that the residency program can stay, you know, somewhat solvent, um, you basically end up doing a lot of what I call Medicaid dentistry, which is essentially like you learn a really good headlock and you learn how to make the best uses of what you have for everything from mild, you know, sedative medications. Like we didn't have access to them while we were only staying with percent. Our GA or our wait list was two years long because we had limited OR time, oh, wow. things like that. Yeah, I mean, getting called in the middle of the night because, you know, a child's tooth is abscessed or whatever, and you, they can't go to GA because they're still like six months wait on their wait list. And so you saw, you saw, you treated a demographic that just couldn't afford what a fancy private office could offer. And so you get used to practice in a certain way. And then you come out of residency and depending on where you end up, you get parents who are like, I don't want that. I want white. You know, I don't care what it costs. I want white. You know, like you just, you just, it's a very, it's almost like a culture shock. And then obviously, you know, you get out into a private practice and you work in some places where you're like the only black face for like miles. And you, you know, there's all kinds of like experiences that 
doesn't don't match what you've experienced throughout like your educational career. So anyways, all those things kind of culminated into me deciding, okay, you know, I kind of do probably long-term, the better option on the long-term span of things is just to go into private practice and start my own office. Um, it's not easy, but I kind of see it as a long-term investment versus like a short-term financial gain situation. I, you know, I didn't stop associate. Well, I still part-time associate, but I guess I didn't make that transition just because of money. It also kind of tied into my life plan and the hope of eventual flexibility. Um, I didn't feel like, I don't know. It's, it, you know, dentistry, is, it, it's, I, I think in comparison to, you know, I come from a healthcare family. And in comparison to a lot of other fields in healthcare where you're mostly an employee, most dentists are independent practitioners. And I think that that is one of the biggest differences and something that you don't really get exposed to when you're just shadowing. And I think I, I definitely underestimated the significance of a private practice atmosphere in dentistry compared to some other fields like nursing or medicine or whatever, you know, um, like people, I remember, you know, people would always ask like, what's the difference between pediatrics and just go taking your child to any local dentist or like, why would you, you know, why are there so many dental offices? And I was always like, well, there's so many dental offices because there's no hospital for dentists. You know, there's no like one big corporation that we all work under. Now, there are what you call DSOs, which is a whole nother topic, like corporate dentistry kind of places like Aspen and Castle, corporate, right? But that's not, that's still not the equivalent of like Memorial Hermann. You know, it's not, it's, it's not the same thing. And you'll find that a lot of those places have such high turnover because the ultimate goal of most dentists, I'm not going to say all, but the ultimate goal of most dentists is to have a private practice or work in a private practice or to be partner or full soul owner of a private practice. The ultimate goal of a dentist is not to go and work for somebody else for forever. That's just not, I'm not going to, I don't want to make a blanket statement like that, but I will say that generally most dentists are not privy of the idea of working for somebody else um, indefinitely. If we do it, we do it for a short period of time to stack cash to move on to other ventures. It's not like the life goal. And I think, especially as a woman, this field is very, um, it can be great and it can be hard in the beginning, especially if you're trying to be an owner. I think that there's a lot of assumptions that we just, you know, like when, when you think about the time frame of, you know, when you're working and when you graduate, like I went straight through, I never stopped. So I, you know, college at 18, graduated 22, um give me one second pause for a second yeah. I have somebody okay all right you're good okay so when you think about like the time the the, the time frame right like if you finish college at, at 22 and you go straight to dental school you come out at like 26 and then if you want to do a residency you know peter was an additional two years for me some programs it's three so then that's like 28 right that's technically the prime period where everybody says you get married, you have kids, you do all this stuff. Well, if you're trying to, if you are trying to start a private practice, I'm not saying that you can't, I mean, trust and believe I have friends who have either bought or started their own while pregnant or while doing whatever, but I'm going to tell you from my personal perspective, the amount of effort and focus that it takes me to do this, I think I would spontaneously combust. I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, if, you, if you truly want to have, I mean, some people can do it, but if you truly want to have a good handle on it, especially if you have no business background. Now, if your mommy or your daddy was a dentist and they're going to help you and they're going to give you some of their staff members who are experienced and know how to bill and know how to do this and know how to do that, maybe, maybe you have enough help to justify that. But I can't tell you when I opened the amount of hours that I spent on the phone with Open Dental, which is our EHR system, having them show me, because like, show me this, show me this. Because the number one thing that I will say is, I'm so glad that I learned how to do everything. Because there's nothing, if you don't know how to do things, you don't know how to check if somebody's doing it correctly. You know, there's no, and then you feel out of control and you're the one who took out the huge debt to be able to put, you know what I'm saying? Like to be able to even open the doors, not the people that work for you, even if they're great, that's great. But at the end of the day, they're not carrying the liability and they're not carrying the strain of writing that check every month. You are. So it's, you, it's, it's imperative that you take that time to sit down and learn how to do things. And even when, you know, when the building, when the practice was getting built, I was still working 
um, at another office. I would work two days. So, you know, I would commute from Austin. I would do like four hours round trip. I'd work two days over there, stack some money, come back. I would monitor constructions, meeting with my contractor, meeting with this, meeting with that, plumbing guys, degree pass inspection, this, that, my equipment guys. Like it was a, it was a constant process for like a good three months, right? And then even after we opened our doors, well, even before we opened our doors, all the ground marketing stuff that we had to do, like we're out in the community, fall festivals, this, that, get a banner, get this, get your website up, get your Google listing up, get your, you know, there's all those things that we have to do so that when we open our doors, we would actually have patience, right? Because if nobody knows that you exist, there's no point, you know? So, right. you know, I mean, it's, it's just, so the timeline, I guess, prefacing back to say, because I know you, you know, before we went live, you asked you know when we're gonna have kids i get that question a lot i get that question at work surprisingly um and i think people probably think i'm like strange you know because i'm so like you know but it's because i don't want to i don't want to say that you have to sacrifice maybe some people don't feel like they have to but i just you have to know yourself some people can't handle having three things on their plate and juggling. But I know myself, I like to work out. I like to exercise. I like to sleep. I like to, you know, I need to be able to like more rested and be able to sit down and focus on the task at hand. And I just couldn't see, especially in the first year where you, I mean, you go through stuff like that. I mean, people, people will come, they will interview, they'll say, oh, they have this and that. Then they'll start working for you. They suck. They overinflate. They make mistakes, you know, and for you to be able to have the time to catch that, you know, you almost, I hate to say it, kind of have to put a little bit of your personal life to the side for a little bit until you feel like you have a strong handle. So I guess to answer your question, when I feel <laughs> like I have a strong handle on my life, then I can kind of, you know, put my foot off the pedal a little bit. Um, but where, I mean, at the place I am right now, I just, it's kind of just crazy to think about, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's a little unfair. I think a lot of people think of dentistry as a lifestyle field, but you actually don't get the lifestyle perspective, in my opinion, until you have kind of built or bought a practice that is cash flowing consistently and well, and you've kind of, I don't want to say paid your dues, but when you get to that point where you're established enough that you don't really care if a patient cancels on the schedule because there's like 15 more to put in and like it's a your practice functions like a well-oiled machine and there are practices out there that function like a well-oiled machine at that point it becomes a lifestyle field but when you're building to that point the amount of energy it takes the amount of training it takes the amount of you know things you have to learn as an owner the amount of mistakes that you make it's not it's not really a life like right now i don't consider myself i work six days a week there's no lifestyle field so this sunday today is literally my only day off now there are some weeks where i only work five days but between my office and where else i work a lot of weeks i work six days you know and it, you, to start something you almost have to put double the effort in the beginning until you can get to that point where, oh, I work four days a week and make blah, 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 X amount of money, you know? Now, if you're working for somebody else and you're an associate, can you make X, Y, and Z amount of money and be a lifestyle field? Yes, you can. But you're not really building any equity, right? Like, you know, so, and I don't know if I'm going to be at that same job 20 years from now. And I really just had to, you know, like when I came out, you know, I was offered good opportunities. I was living comfortably. I was able to put a good amount of money towards my loans. It wasn't really that. I really had to step back. Actually, there were a couple of things that happened at some of my jobs <clears throat> that made me kind of step back and reevaluate. Okay, where do I want to be 10 years from now? And it's where I am. Put the money aside. Is where I am and what I'm doing right now going to get me there? And it wasn't. Because what I felt like I was going to get when I took the position and what I got after I took the position and moved my life out for this position was not what I got. And that, and so that, I, I guess it made me kind of paranoid and distrusting of people. And so I pretty much just said, you know what, Abby, um, you have to start your own. And I had a good friend of mine who's a general dentist. She actually ended up buying a practice out in Katy area. And um, she was like, you have to take this startup course with me. Da, 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 da. And that's how it started. So me and herself and her husband and my husband all went to this course called Breakaway. 
and two-day course in San Antonio where they it's like they give you like this binder and they basically just cram through like you think you want to start a business or you think you want to own a dental practice boom 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 you know everything from how to find a good location demographics marketing you know your cabinetry this what kind of chair to get how to save on money how to not get screwed how to you know how to it's it's just it's it's that much detail because nobody teaches you anything about that in dental school you literally come out of dental school and you know how to work on adults and that's another thing i came out of dental school and i did not know anything about treating children everything that i know in terms of practicing and being a pediatric dentist i learned in residency the reason why i can sedate children in my office is because of residency you know i mean like the reason why i have or privileges is because of residency i did not learn that in dental school so every time that somebody asks me do you see adults too i'm like eh, no because i haven't cut a plan on an adult since i left dental school you know like there's no way i would want to even go down that route because i cannot do that clinically diligence um but anyways that's the difference um i think that as time goes on people are starting to learn the difference between like general dentists and pediatric dentists and i think that a lot of it is also the dental iq of the general location and population that you're in um it's depending on where you are some people don't think that there's a difference but i will say you know i i, I know you had mentioned earlier before like how did you you know know pick a spot and like knowing I personally don't consider general dentists to be my competition. Um, in fact, I've only, I think I've been open eight months and as time has gone on and like, I guess a lot of more dentists have known that we're here or that I'm here, I actually get quite a, quite a bit of referrals from general dentists because if the child is like two and a half, three years old and they've got a mouthful of cavities, a general dentist is not, it is not worth their time to fight with a squiggly worm in the chair and try to figure out how to treat their child. They're just going to send them to me because they could cut a crown on a joint and get a thousand dollars for it. Why would I be fighting with this little three-year-old trying to get one? It doesn't make financial sense. And they're going to be screaming in your chair and you don't have laughing gas. You can't sedate them. There's no Versat. There's no Demol. There's no hydroxyl. There's not, you're just you know so i get a lot of referrals from general dentists actually um in the area who are like hey do you sedate take this kid take this kid you know so and i limit my practice from like what six months all the way up to age 18 um and i see some special needs kids as well so um that's kind of like my range of practice i guess you would say but i mean you know it is what it is i feel like i'm saying a lot and i've gone way off topic but I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you recenter with a question so that I can kind of recenter myself. But yeah, oh, that's good. That's awesome. Um, you 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 went into a lot. You know, it's a um, lot. It's a lot. Right, right, right. Uh, let me let me dial back a little bit. You there's quite a bit. How did you? I know you come from a healthcare family. Uh, your parents are physicians. Um, well respected in the community how did you decide to go I, how did you what made you want to go into healthcare even to start with you know because that's you know i i, I understand probably the influence of your parents could have been one but is there anything else and i know why you why you you mentioned about why you got into dentistry as opposed to medicine earlier but is there anything else to that answer? You know, not really. I mean, I think I think I just found like a very niche field that I saw myself in and I felt like fit my personality. Um, like, you know, even in dentistry, like, I mean, thankfully I did well enough in dental school that I had the opportunity to specialize and I probably could have specialized in a multiple different fields. But for example, I, I never saw myself as a surgeon, right? Like I, I don't see myself like, you know, cutting faces and putting them back together. Like could theoretically speaking, like if I wanted to sit down and study really hard for it, maybe so, but I didn't really see myself doing that day in and day out. I wasn't sure if I was going to be happy doing that. And I felt like I wanted to be in pediatrics, but I didn't want, but I also wanted to be happy from a financial perspective and from a day-to-day -day life perspective. Um, now, I mean, going into healthcare, I mean, I feel like I always knew that I would go into healthcare. Like, I, I never seriously considered doing anything non-healthcare. I can't even, like, I honestly, I, I, I can't even ever remember thinking about anything. And maybe that's just because I grew up and they were like, net us cardiology here. This, you know, <laughs> just, I just all kinds of textbooks, you know, like healthcare related. And I, I mean, I, I found it fascinating. You know, I would do summer 
summit internships in hospitals and things like that. So I just always kind of was, I never, I never seriously considered anything else. Gotcha. Um, that, and that's awesome. There was something else that you touched on that I think is very important um, where you were talking about, you know, the whole passion, you know, following thing um and it's something that i you know say often you know to, to people you know don't where, where you know the general kind of uh thing is follow your passion follow your dreams and all mm -hmm. this type of stuff you know um when i was <laughs> when i was uh going to college and i was you know what in the what 11th or 12th grade mm -hmm. i remember my you know everyone asks you at that point you know, well, what do you want to do when you go to college? What do you want to do? Now, unlike exactly. you, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, what I wanted to do. I feel like what 17 or 18 year old generally just knows, oh, I want to be this. I want to be that. You know, I did. Right. Um, and so when I, my dad asked me and I was, I was like, well, I, I like playing video games. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me, I want to, I guess I'll go and make video games, learn how to make video games. You know, and uh, he was like, no, you're not going to do that. <laughs> Nigerian dad and um, was like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to become a pharmacist like your brother. And it was like, OK, that, that, that was it. <laughs> and from there on, you know, um, that, now here I am <laughs> 14, right. 15 years later, you know, uh, deep into pharmacy. But I, I think that's important because a lot of people say that you know um and there's nothing wrong with your your dreams if it's actually your dreams if it's actually something that you're also gifted at right and also right. naturally you know but the whole thing about finding something that is financially rewarding uh that you also enjoy doing even if it's not your passion <laughs> I think uh, is because I mean I'll tell you even on the days where I mean there are days where I'm like I love the job and there are days where I'm like what the did I get myself into like I'm not you know I'm not even even the even the job that is your passion you'll still have days like I mean I could tell you stories you know right of, you know even even when you are the one running the show from people who were saying, you know, like this past week, I got a pretty interesting review from a parent. Thankfully, it wasn't posted online. Got an interesting review. Had to have a meeting with my staff about that, about something that they did that led to that. Um, parents who come in and, you know, especially, especially when you work in another person's office and you have oh. parents who are like, you know, basically speak to you in a way that like, they feel like you are not capable of treating your child. Um, right efficiently um and it's just like so even even on even on the even the times where you think oh you know i love this job they're equally times where you're like man what if i had a million dollars right now <laughs> you know so <laughs> it's kind of like which is why to me i'm just like i i at least have to at least be compensated relatively fairly for what i do i'm sorry the amount of effort and the amount of time and the amount of stress that we endure. And, you know, you're dealing with children. These are people's prized possessions, right? So every day that I work or I practice, I have to be on my A game. Even right. if a child is kicking and screaming and I have that ISO dry in their mouth and I'm taking out a tooth, if they swallow it, that's a liability. If they turn too quickly and the shop bar going at 30,000 RPMs cuts their lip, that's a liability. If a oh, mom man. thinks that I was too harsh with their child, that's a liability. If you know, wow. there's there's all these things. I mean, the the stories that I could tell of what parents complain about and what fellow dentists have been reported to the board for, whether or not it's even credible or not, the stress that it brings, it is not worth all of that if you're not compensated fairly. So when you say passion, you know, I'm like that all sounds nice and good, but then when the reality of bills and life hits, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not it's it's not that peachy anymore. So. I mean, I love working with children. I think that it's what I was meant to do. But even, even, even you know, on a great week, there are still times that I'm like, there, there's definitely a limit as to what I would tolerate if, you know, it didn't meet my standards financially. And granted, you know, when you open up a new office, you know, nobody expects you to, you know, you, you definitely take a pay cut. I'll be very honest with you. I mean, 
starting, you know, working for somebody else in a well-oiled machine and you see what you can produce when the patients are just coming, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, that's different from starting from nothing. Like I started zero patient base. And I mean, and I'm thankful even with COVID and everything that has happened, we, we are consistently in the black. Um, so I'm thankful about that. I haven't had a month where I'm just like, oh my God, I'm never going to pay my bills. Like, you know, like obviously when COVID hit, there was that stress. And I think the entire dental community felt that. Um, but we've, we're definitely, you know, even at, you know, the other location where I work, I mean, it's definitely picked up. And I think people are just adjusting to the fact that it is what it is. Um, but even as a, you know, private practice owner, it's, you know, it's picking up and it's getting better. You know, my goal at this point is just to continue to grow the practice and market the practice, grow the practice, market the practice. I think where we are now, you know, I'm to the point where I kind of have hit certain communities pretty hard marketing wise. And now I'm trying to reach out and grow and get more um, sophisticated with our marketing and how we get our name out there. Um, with that, you know, with any business, there's always going to be that core people of like pioneers that try you out and like kind of give you your first couple of like, oh, okay. And they leave great reviews and things like that. And now it's just maximizing on that. But yeah, I mean, there's passion, but I'm also very much a realist. I mean, if you ask anybody who knows me and my husband, I'm, I'm very much like, okay, is the money there? <laughs> like, I don't, you know, what I, mean? I mean, it's, it's just, I, I mean, like, I mean, gosh, even when I was looking for the location to start this office, everybody thinks that I started it down here in Manville because my parents live eight minutes up the road. That's not true. We actually looked all over Houston. At one point, I thought I was going to open up in Baytown because there was a Kelsey Siebel pediatric clinic right next door. And there was a HEB that was getting built up. And I'll say HEB owned that, that strip center. And when it comes to negotiating your lease, depending on who your landlord is, it can be smooth sailing or it can be a beast. Like even I had an attorney at my disposal that I was paying and the, the lease that was at this location, the strip center was owned by HEB. So they were the anchor and they owned all the, you know, all the um, strips, all the units. They wanted like my first one child and a kidney. Like, wow. I was like, you better guarantee this lease for the entirety of it. I don't care what happens to you. Even if somebody else takes over your lease you, and they don't pay, you pay. There's, I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of just stuff. And I, I had to drop it. It was not in my, um, you know, I had a consultant I was working with at the time, you know, as needed. And she, she's a general dentist, but she's owned and started and bought offices. You know, she's very well-versed and very experienced in the field. Um, and in the time when I was looking to open up my own, she had just opened her own from scratch in North, in North Carolina. This is like their second or third office. So this is like a, nothing for her. But for me, it's like, oh my God, my first time, you know? And she was actually referred to me by the same friend who I went to Vickery with. So I will tell you, in your journey of life, find people who are right or die for you care about you and care about your peace and also understand like you know where you're trying to go who are not in competition with you but truly care you know like like you with your sister and i've been fortunate to have that kind of friend and she actually saw my location before i saw my location you know so from a spiritual perspective the people you align yourself with also is very important um side note but anyways um, you know, she had actually driven down to 88 and she was like, I see these houses and I don't know what's going on down here. Cause she had moved from Pearland already. And she's like, I see these houses. You might just want to go drive around. That's all she said. And I drove around and I was like, and I, I saw, I found the location before my realtor. I had a realtor that I was working with. Um, and he was trying to push me to all these other places and I would pull up the demographic report and I was like, hell no, there's three other pediatric dentists and they've only been open for less than five years. Hell no, hell no, no. I said no to so many. I said, this was probably like the third or the fourth location. And I found it through the help of my friend. My realtor did not find it. So, because you have to understand that these realtors, depending on where they get you to lease, their commission is based off of it too. And he wasn't going to get as high as, as high of a commission as the spot. And when I asked him, I was like, you knew about this location. Why didn't you show me the spot? He, and he gave up some stupid story about how he thought some other person had already taken it. Well, come to find out later on, the orthodontist to my left actually told me when I got the spot that there was actually a GP that was supposed to have the spot and something happened and he had to leave town and he left, wow. he left the state. And that's how it opened up. And that's when I found the spot. But my realtor did not send, did not say, oh, this is a great spot. It's, you know, growing community. That is, you know, and I was very adamant with him. I, I told him, I will not go anywhere within five minutes of another pediatric dentist. I'm not going to do it. I'm just, and not that you can't be successful. I will tell you, there's a, there's a fellow pediatric dentist of mine in League City. 
he opened up five minutes from another Nigerian pediatric dentist and he is killing it. Like his office grew like hotcakes. Like within a year, he's probably at where some people take three years to get to. So there are some people, I'm not saying that if you open within a five mile radius of another pediatric dentist that you, you're doomed. Absolutely not. That is not the case. There's so many factors to go into it. It's demographics, it's marketing. It's just, there's just so much stuff personality of the doctor, the patient population, you know, if, if you're in, if you're in a radius of like five to 10,000, there's a hundred thousand people. Yeah. There's room for like three pediatric dentists because there's a hundred thousand people, you know, like the metric, I think I'd read somewhere on dental town that the metric is ideally it's like one pediatric dentist per like a 25,000, um, population is enough to give you like a full-time practice, um, general roundabout metric. So, I guess that kind of goes back to my whole question of why people are like, why are there so many offices? Well, like, because everybody wants to be a business owner and nobody wants people profiting off of them forever. Like, that's just, you know, at least in this field, that's how it is. Um, so if they find a demographic that works, you know, that's what they pursue. So, you know, this was not, so like I said, this was not my first location. This is probably like my third or fourth that I had looked at and we had been looking for a while. Um, so by, I mean, but when I found it, I told my realtor, I was like, if you contact that landlord and you get me a good deal, I will sign tomorrow. And I meant it. We, we met up at a UPS and I signed it within a week. Wow. So when you, like when you find, because like, and the land, I mean, it was, it was a very straightforward negotiation, no bull, none of this. I want your firstborn son. Like, you know, like all the stuff I'd seen in all these other leases that were like so detrimental, like God forbid somebody gets into a campaign and they can't practice. You know, you have your disability insurance, but that's not going to cover what these people are saying. You have to guarantee the lease. Like, it's just right. so all these other things that you have to, like, think about and factor in. And so I was pretty fortunate to have decently good guidance in terms of, like, what to look for in a lease, which is why I, you know, I found a consultant who was also a dentist who had been there. Like, read this lease. What's a red flag? What do you think? I paid her for her time because it was worth it. Because, like, I'm in a 10-year lease right now. Like, God forbid I sign something stupid because I don't know what I'm doing and because nobody in my family has ever owned a business, how am I going to know if I'm signing my, my life away? Right. Dental school didn't teach me that. Right. So no, that's awesome. it's, just, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of like little things like that to look for. So, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's not perfect. I'm still, I mean, as I'm sitting here right now, I'm working on insurance checks and claims and I'm looking at claims that were denied and I'm saying, why the, were they denied? And I'm going to have to resend them. So I'm making my little to-do list for the week of, okay, they denied, you know, donations, whatever, whatever claim. We're going to have to resend it. This is what they said they want to be able to pay it. And you, insurance companies, they deny stuff. And then you can send the same exact thing a second time and they'll, and they'll, and they'll approve it. It's just, sometimes it just depends on who you get. I've seen denial reasons for the stupidest things. And I've been like, I've never seen this error message before. Like, I'll just be like, I've never, you know, so it's, it's, it's a game. Insurance is a game. And I will say insurance has, is to the huge detriment of every healthcare field. I don't care what anybody says. When pa patients complain that doctors are running from chair to chair and don't have time, well, it's because of your, your plan. You come to me, you cannot ask for fee-for-service treatment with McDonald's budgets. You don't get caveat treatments with McDonald's budget. If you're going to come in here with your, with your Delta Dental that pays a third of my UCR, yes, you're, I'm going to be running because I still have to produce and cover the overhead. So if my UCR is 350 for a new patient exam, a new patient whatever, and Delta's paying me 160, you best believe there are going to be three patients that hour. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't make any, you cannot come to me with your baseline plan and expect to have my full undivided attention. It just doesn't work that way. And I think people, people get upset. They're like, why are people always, I'm like, that's how it has to be. And the times of COVID, you know, I've got one treatment room that has a, that has a door in it on one side of my office and I have two open bay chairs. And what we've had to do is, you know, to respect all the social distancing is I only treatment plan or I only schedule um, two families in, in the office at a time because one family can be on one side, the other family can be on the other side because my open bay does not have dividers. And even though I, I may eventually add dividers, it kind of kills the ambiance in my opinion. But our workaround of that has been, okay. And even in the other office that I work at, same thing. He's got a much bigger office. His office is like double the size of mine in like two stories, but he's got like 16 chairs or something. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, that office is a machine. But anyways, <laughs> um, you know, I basically like, if I have hygiene one and hygiene two and you're like chairs laid out, basically the two people that are there from the same family, we don't mix families in the open bay. And then whoever is on the other side of the office is a completely different family. So, you know, we've done pretty well with, you know, we're still able to basically, you know, schedule pretty well and hit our metrics with that level of scheduling, but that's what we've had to do um, to accommodate people and make them feel comfortable. I installed, um, 
what is it, hand sanitizers in front of the up and the open bay by, by the door, you know, so, I mean, we're constantly sterilizing and uh, cost of everything has gone up slightly. But I mean, thankfully, because I'm not really a full-time office yet, I'm like three days a week right now. I don't run through as much PPE as some offices that are like four to five days, 15 staff members, like, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, obviously conducive to that, my profit is also lower, but thankfully we are still growing and we are still kind of gaining. And my next kind of, you know, I have a couple of ideas that I'm, you know, trying to test things out since we're now, this week we'll make almost nine months open. I mean, obviously we shut down for seven weeks due to COVID. But we're shut down, but I was still here because people were still calling with kids swollen faces and abscesses. So we were shut down, but I was still treating patients. <laughs> but, you know, obviously not full scale um, like I was when we went shut down. But thankfully, as you know, we opened back up and we've pretty much gone back to mostly normal. Um, we're still in growth phase. So, I mean, I expect, you know, that will probably continue for the next couple months into, into the next year or so. Um, anyway, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of how it is, but yeah, it's, um, with, you know, every, I always tell my husband, every week is a new challenge and a new story. I have stories. I have stories for this. I have stories longer than this podcast can last. Everything from high, I haven't had to fire anybody, but people have left, you know, unprofessionalism, short notice, people who have raised their voice in front of me, in front of patients, people who have, oh, I could tell stories. Okay. So, you know, what it means to be like, look, look young. You know, I get the comment all the time. She looks like a kid, you know, like, and the, the dynamic of that hiring people who are older than you, um, hiring people who you went to school with, not a good idea. Um, hiring people, <laughs> you know, I, I have, I have all this, you know, stories, but you know, you learn from it all and you grow from it all. And, you know, I, I'm, I will say I'm, I'm thankful for the position that I'm in. You know, even as I look at some of these claims and I get upset, I'm like, gosh, why was that denied? I'm like, this is adding to my plate. I just, you know, make a little note of it, add it to my to-do list and keep it moving. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're at least gotten this far. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I think overall it was a solid decision. And I think as the years go by, like I said, you don't open an office expecting to be a millionaire in year one. You know, you, you know, you open it in this, knowing that this is going to be a grind for some time. But it's a long-term investment. 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you know, God willing, you have an asset that you can sell. You have equity, you know? So, you know, all of those things kind of tie together and matter. And, you know, like little things, like I can bring my baby and put him in the back and nobody can tell me otherwise because I own the place, you know? Right. I can turn one of the rooms into a little play area and nobody, or I can turn the office into a little play area for my kid and nobody can tell me otherwise. You know, you can't do that when you work for somebody else. Um, but those are all benefits that come later so you know it's it's all good i mean you're definitely grinding you're definitely working hard um one thing that i remembered you know uh, people might not know but you we we've been <laughs> you would you would always either call me or text me or you know send me a message and say oh it's you know i'm doing this and this and this and this and you know um whether it was when you were first started you know thinking about opening up I remember you know some of those conversations and I just I remember and you've gone into it you know uh, within this just all the detail and all the research you did a lot of good research you know um, I remember you were telling me how you know oh you want to open some of the stuff you told me the uh, the, the the metrics of oh it should, you know you don't want to be within so far of another pediatric dentist you know you want it to be this population, you know, the population density to be this much, you know, you, you, you did a whole lot of research and you did a lot, you did your homework and I'll just be like, okay, okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Keep going. You got it. You got it. Um, but no, that, that's amazing, you know, um, and to have been able to, you're, you're this far now you opened, I, I it seems like it's been open longer. <laughs> yeah, no, it hasn't. Sometimes no, no, just, I feel like I've always owned this office, but just, no. just from like all the times that we've talked, you know, about yeah. it and your planning and just the, I, I mean, seeing, you know, the construction go up and, you know, seeing the post that you would put on Facebook about, oh, you know, now you've got the pump plumbed in and, you know, you would tell me about whatever when I think you were trying to get the network or something. The, yes. Um. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot, but it was, I, I will say that the building phase was very exciting. 
I loved the day that the sign went up. I almost cried, but uh-huh. it's because it was, you know, I mean, I, I won't go into, I guess, tons of detail, but the, the last full-time place that I worked before I was here was a place right outside of Austin. And I, um, it was a place that I thought I would be forever. Right. Like I thought I was going to be partner and I had all these dreams about being in that place. And it was hugely disappointing how that turned out. Like it really hit me at the core, like to the point when, when I knew that I wasn't going to be partner there, obviously at this point, me and my husband were long distance and I would drive when I would leave Houston, you know, I'd do these Houston, Austin commutes and I would drive there. I would drive to work. I was so upset in my spirit. Like I've never been that upset. Like I would go to the gym and I would have to work out the anger that I felt in my heart. It was, it was like, it, it was like fire, you know? And one of the, uh, one of the arguments, you know, everybody goes through things in their professional lives and puts up with some BS, but I will never, ever, ever forget the owner's husband telling me you can't open an office you would crash and burn and i i i literally like (laughs) and it was on it was on a it was on a zoom chat kind of like this you know because we would have these meetings or whatever and it was the day that they told me that they were not going to make me partner and i (laughs) you know like i I think I was I was at a loss for words and as the months went by it was like thrill under my tushy to open my office I was like you know, like it's like in my head I was just like like I think they really thought like they thought they knew me but I think after that they saw a side of me that they were like like you know how it's funny when I'll post things on Facebook and you know like your story or whatever and I'm friends with a couple of the assistants and like office manager that work there on Facebook and you know how you know when people are still snooping and watching you mm-hmm. and like they won't, hear, they won't say anything but when I look through the people of people who say my, like when I post anything about the office or like there's a child in the office and I post a cute picture with them and stuff they always look and I'm sure that they're going back and reporting to them like oh she's actually doing well well no you know i'm like i'm not you know i'm just it was yeah. that it was yeah. you know so somebody tell i mean they always say never tell somebody what they are i i would never tell anybody what they are and they're not capable of because i don't know i don't know what's going to light your fire i don't know what's going to get you to say that's enough i don't really give it's not even about the money anymore you know like and it took that happening to get me to the point where i was like i can't i cannot do this like there were literally days i would go to work there and in my mind i was like i cannot do this for the next 20 years i cannot do like i was in my spirits i was upset and that's a mm. level of upset that the, the, the whatever money i was making there could not fix and i was like i have to be, i was like i had sacrificed too much to move my life out there to put up with that and i was i was livid beyond livid you know it's it's hard it's hard to it's not it's just i don't know it just caught up my spirit so the day that i opened the day that my sign went up and the day that i was like this is just this is happening i was just like i may not have made it i may not be a one million dollar producing you know office but I was like, this is mine. I'm going to put everything into it that I have and it's mine. And nobody's going to take it away from me. And nobody's right. going to tell me, I can't or can't do this. I'm not capable of this. This, you know, you know, I did not go to school for a decade to be told what I can and cannot accomplish. And the person that was saying that doesn't even have the doctoral degree. But you know, we'll put that to the side. Mm. So I just I'm just like what just what am I gonna talk about that right now? Right, but, you know, right, all right. those dynamics. I was just like I can't I can't do this I can't do this I can't I can't you know. So I took you know what 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 I could you know from that experience and I just kind of used it as okay you know I think that was basically God pushing me to say hey you need to seriously this is time you know and when I told them I was leaving I was like it's time to spread my wings man. You know, so I have to, you know, and I may not know everything, but I'm going to learn. You know, know, it's funny that you you mentioned that uh, there's a couple of parallels that I have. Um, The the being told that you can't do, you know, something. I remember when I was an undergrad, I was, you know, trying to get into pharmacy school. I was at the great University of Texas. Um, (laughs) My hook'em. What? One of my, one of the advisors that, um, and I've told this story before in another part, in a previous episode, one of the advisors, uh, it wasn't quite my advisor, but he was in the same office as my advisor. And whenever I would go to the, you know, to the office, I'm the type of guy that I said hi to everyone. Uh, you know, I kind of, 
you know, would talk to everyone, that type of thing. And one day I went to go try to see my advisor and he wasn't there. So I went into this uh, to see this other advisor. And, um, you know, I, I obviously told him I was trying to get into pharmacy school. And for some reason, he, he pulled up my grades. Now, I, I, I'm definitely not anywhere as smart as you, Abby. Like I wasn't no scholarship, nothing. No, <laughs> not at least not at the collegiate level. <laughs> But um, he pulled up my grades and they were horrible. And he was like, um, yeah, you're not going to get into pharmacy school. You know, um, yeah, you, you can't, you know, these grades aren't going to make it. You can't do it. Um, and I was just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, um, For me, it wasn't so much of a fire that he, I mean, it, it, I wasn't going to get derailed by that. I, I had my, I had my focus, right. I had, my mindset on that, but it was just, it was just effed up how someone that's supposed to be advising you, someone that's in that role, um, is, is the one that's really <laughs> trying to derail you and tell you you can't do something. Now, fast forward, you know, uh, years after I became a pharmacist, <laughs> mm -hmm. this same guy, <laughs> um, adds me on Facebook, you know, uh -huh. like, <laughs> something like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, maybe like, I don't know, three, four years ago, he added me on Facebook and I was just like, yeah, I don't know if I want that. I wanna, yeah, I don't want that energy in my space. I don't want that negativity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, people, yeah, it's, it, a lot of times it's, it's either their, their projections of their own limitations on other people. Right. Or, you know, for those people, maybe it was some type of, you know, they saw you as some type of a threat or they saw you as, you know, whatever, you know. Um, but I, I found, I find that a lot of people that, that, that are negative in that way, it's not, it really doesn't even have to do with you most of the time. Yeah. No. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not a, a you issue. It's something, it's, exactly. It's, it's a them issue and it's what they wanted to happen or their idea of where you fit in their life plan. Right. And now you're messing with that. And now it's upsetting. You know what I'm right. saying? Or right. whatever they thought that they couldn't do. And now it's just a projection. On you. Right. And so a lot of those those things, you know, you don't let those hinder you. Don't let them deter you because it's, it's it really has nothing to do with you. It doesn't, like for me, again, it, it didn't light anything under me. It didn't propel me to, you know, try to, you know, you know, whatever. But I just I was just like, whoa, <laughs> okay, that's odd why are you this person in this role mm -hmm. doing and telling me this are you supposed to you know aren't you supposed you know and I just kept on with my you know you know with my with my path with my journey you know as as it was already you know destined to be unfortunately um those not everyone does that or is able to you know really kind of overcome uh, though that type of negativity and you know some people will let that hinder them and say you know right. well they might be right this he's probably right he's an advisor after all or he's you know so and so or x y and z after all but yeah it takes a level of maturity it takes a level of growth to understand that that that's not about you really yes it's more so about them you know wow what an insightful interview thus far Unfortunately, we have to stop it here due to time constraints, but stay tuned for the second part of this great interview with Dr. Abby. And if you're enjoying this, please like, comment, subscribe to the channel, the podcast, the Instagram page for more. Thank you.